Hey y'all, Eve's here. We're doubling up today with two events in history. One from me and one from former host Tracy V. Wilson. On with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's November 8th. Wilhelm Röntgen first observed x-rays on this day in 1895, and he did it completely by accident. Röntgen had his notes destroyed after he died, so we don't 100% know the process that led him to this discovery, but people have tried to sort of piece it together based on what he discovered and what we know he was working with. So here's how most people think it went down. He was working in a dark room, and he was experimenting by running a current through a glass bulb that's known as a Crookes tube or a cathode bulb. It's basically a glass tube that has a partial vacuum inside of it. He had this tube encased in cardboard or a black carton to try to block the light that was emanating out of it when he exposed it to this current. But then he realized that even though there was this black carton that was blocking all the visible light, something was causing a plate that was coated in barium platinum cyanide to glow whenever he did this, and that was weird. That cardboard barrier was blocking all the physical light, and yet something was happening that was causing this plate to glow. It glowed even if it was a couple of meters away from the tube. So he was really curious about this. He started experimenting with photographic plates, and he discovered that objects of different thicknesses and densities were recorded differently on this plate when he placed them in between the tube and the plate. Later on in 1895, he put his wife's hand wearing her wedding ring in front of this photographic plate, and the result was an image of her bones with a visible wedding ring on her ring finger. This was very dramatic. No one had ever seen a picture of the inside of someone's body this way before. She reportedly said, I have seen my death. He called this image a röntgenogram. And because he didn't know exactly what it was that was causing the image to appear in this way, he said that the phenomenon was called x-rays. He didn't know that these were part of the same spectrum as visible light, but with a much shorter wavelength than visible light. And today we do know that they're part of the electromagnetic spectrum. That is something that people suspected pretty quickly after this first discovery. Röntgen published a paper about his findings, which immediately revolutionized the world of medical diagnostics. For the first time ever, you could actually see things like broken bones and foreign objects inside of a person's body. Within a year, there was a whole new field of medicine, and that was the field of radiology. Röntgen won the first Nobel Prize for physics for this discovery in 1901. These early x-rays, though, they were pretty dangerous. People experienced burns and cancers after being exposed to too much radiation. Today's x-rays, of course, are a lot more controlled. The doses are much smaller. And it's also a lot faster. Today's x-ray imaging happens almost instantaneously, but early x-ray machines often required patients to hold still for several minutes as this exposure was taking place. Thanks very much to Christopher Hasiotis for his research work on this episode and to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on the show. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Tune in tomorrow when we will look at an event from Nazi Germany. 
Hello again, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a show where we drop history knowledge every single day. The day was November 8, 1892. A general strike began in New Orleans, Louisiana, after it had been postponed twice. The strike ended four days later, with workers winning many of the demands they called for. In May of 1892, streetcar operators in New Orleans won shorter hours, moving from 16-hour days to 12-hour days, and they won a closed shop, which is when an employer only hires union members. That summer, Black and white workers organized many new labor unions, so that 49 local unions were soon part of the American Federation of Labor, or AFL. The unions organized a local labor federation called the Working Men's Amalgamate Council, which met in integrated sessions. The late 19th century was a time characterized by racial violence, segregation, convict leasing, and the restriction of jobs for Black workers. But there were integrated jobs and labor demonstrations. Three racially integrated unions, the Round Freight Teamsters and Loaders Union, the Scalesmen's Union, and the Warehousemen and Packers Protective Union made up the so-called Triple Alliance. The Triple Alliance went to the Board of Trade, the employer's organization, demanding a preferential union shop, 10-hour day, and overtime pay. But the Board of Trade announced that it refused to enter into agreements with Black people. On October 24th, members of the Triple Alliance went on strike, and the president of the Working Men's Amalgamated Council said that its unions would strike if a settlement wasn't reached. But the board said that it would work with the scalesmen and packers, who were mostly white, but not with the Teamsters, as most Black workers were Teamsters. And it went even further to stoke racial fears, saying that the Triple Alliance was threatening to put employers and control of the docks under a, quote, big Black Negro. The press even attempted to inflame tensions, accusing white unionists of being sympathetic to or controlled by Black people and claiming that Black strikers were beating people up. But the Triple Alliance and the council did not fold, and a general strike seemed imminent. Under increasing union pressure, the board was compelled to negotiate a contract, But the bargaining collapsed when the board would not budge on discussing the preferential union. So a general strike began on November 8th. About half of the city's workforce, or around 25,000 union members, participated in the general strike. Streetcars stopped running, the electrical grid stopped working, and the natural gas supply went empty. Firefighting, construction, printing, and street cleaning services were also disrupted. Governor Murphy Foster ordered 5,000 state militia troops to New Orleans, but the troops were withdrawn because the reports of chaos and violence were exaggerated. The press continued to claim that Black strikers were violent and threats to white supremacy, but unionists did not react to the appeals. Just days after the strike began, the council called off the strike due to the presence of the state militia, which remained outside the city and the Board of Trade agreed to negotiate. The union won a wage increase, overtime pay, and a 10-hour day, but the agreement did not include a preferential union shop, and it did not grant recognition to the unions of the Triple Alliance. Streetcar workers' union recognition ended. 
The strike has been deemed a success by some contemporary and current assessments, since the strikers won many of their demands and demonstrated racial solidarity. Critics have said that the strike failed since it did not win the union shop. But in the years following the general strike, riots broke out between white and black workers on the New Orleans docks. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If there's something I missed in the show today, you can let us know at T-D-I-H-C podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We also accept electronic letters at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.